0: And once again, so easy. Search Ufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit ufyofficialcom slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen and gentlemen. Brand new podcast, no reads today, guys. It's just a little Merry Christmas from the Chrysers. My name is Albert Charles. Oh my God. I'm with my wife here, Kelly, Lee, and Kim.
1: Are you trying to be a bad singer? I no. think it's working.
0: <clears throat> I'm out of breath. My neck hurts really fucking bad. We're going to get to the podcast. Who are we releasing today? Brian Bro, f- motherfucker.
1: Merry Christmas Dude, again? Merry
0: Christmas. This is a great podcast. Um, if you're not familiar, Brian Regan is one of the best comics working. There's not a question... Uh, I say it in the very end, but he literally is um, a, a, an American comedic treasure in the fact that very few guys are working clean uh, and selling out big theaters. Very few guys can bring, can do a show and have the whole family come out. Literally, uh, you they bring the whole family. It's a brilliant way to sell tickets too. Right. Sebastian does it. Yeah. Sebastian's clean, but Sebastian... It's probably. I think it's probably the same as Brian. It's. It's. I often wonder why I didn't work clean. It's just not what makes me giggle for me. Yeah. You know, like clean clean jokes work, but even in being clean, like my pajama story is clean and my special. I was really proud of that joke. So in my head, I felt like that's a good Brian Regan joke. You know. Yeah. Like like a clean joke, and it's. I really I really not to switch this back to me. Whoa, Bert. What do you do? You do that often in your interviews. Maybe no, stop. once or twice. No, stop. It's how I interview guys. Get used to it. Okay?
1: I think people who are tuning in are already
0: used to it. Yeah. Um but I really loved that joke because it wasn't a setup punch.
1: Well, and it uh, it was a true story. <laughs> it, it's pretty hard to improve sometimes on By the way,
0: we laughed just stores. as hard yesterday. My mom oh my got God. me Braya this uh New Year's Eve. Uh New Year's Eve and Brea and then Body Shots World Tour. Is up and running Toronto. There's tickets available, Seattle. There's tickets available, I've maybe Vancouver. There's tickets available. Uh, but go to burperbert.com. Bert, my mom, I have a tour bus. I'm super excited. Did you get the pictures of the tour bus today?
1: I haven't looked at them, but I, I saw looked them. at them on the
0: shitter did I you? Smiling ear to ear. Is there a kitchen? It looks like a rich man's tour bus.
1: <sighs> is there a kitchen?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, is Not there like a, a kitchen, kitchen? Is there go.
1: like a cooktop?
0: Uh, I don't know. I was looking at the, at the bedroom the whole time. Oh my god, bedroom and the bathroom and the place where I'd be. Smoking blunts. Oh, whatever. Um, my mom, for Christmas, decided to help me <laughs> furnish my tour bus.
1: She did. She was very excited. She was very she excited for to this very tour sweet. bus.
0: So she bought me all the things I'd be needing in a kitchen, in a full functioning kitchen and if she, I was working as a sous chef. My mom bought me everything.
1: She, uh, you know, she... She called me and asked me what's on the tour bus. So I didn't know. Asked the manager. Manager got a list and here's what's on it. Refrigerator, microwave, toaster. No utensils, no, no plates. And, you know, most people use paper, plastic, whatever, which is, makes sense. Um,
0: yeah, or eat pizza Or and yeah. subs.
1: But still they eat like paper plastic. Yeah. Nobody buys any of that shit. So I called Gigi back and said... This is what's on the bus. Toaster, microwave, refrigerator. Oh, I think I should get him some plates. And I went, no, they said he uses paper. (laughs) But if you're going to microwave something, you may want to put it on a plate. Maybe he needs a set of Pyrex. And I'm like, I don't think there's a cooktop. (laughs) I don't think there's anything to really cook with. He definitely needs some tongs.
0: I got tongs. I got yeah. a whisk. Got I, a <laughs> I got a garlic press. What's
1: so funny is you got a whisk, but you have no bowl.
0: I have no bowls.
1: You can't whisk anything because you have no bowl.
0: It's imagine if you were high as fuck in a Bed Bath & Beyond <laughs> and someone <laughs> goes real quick. You got five minutes to get everything for a tour bus. <laughs> and you were like, fuck, garlic press, whisk, tongs. Uh, uh, hot, pads, uh, hot, hot, pad. hot pads, hot pads. Hot pads, hot pads. it was
1: so sweet she was so so excited she was just so excited for you and yeah when you were opening it i was like garlic press hmm i mean i'm sure she thought he's gonna make scrambled eggs but i I told her i didn't know if you had a cooktop so i don't know she was just excited
0: uh (laughs) but yeah I, i hope you guys had a fantastic christmas and i hope you have a great new year's Like I said, I'll be at the Brea Improv New Year's Eve. There are tickets still available, I think, for the New Year's Eve early show. And late show. Probably both late and early. I think that club seats 600. uh,
1: Hey, this tour bus is nice.
0: No shit. It's going to be wrapped. We got a wrap that's going on it. I can't fucking wait.
1: What's on the back of the tour bus?
0: Wait do you guys see what's on the back. (laughs) Do you know what's on the back of the tour bus, Halston?
1: What's on the back?
0: It's a Wife of the Party advertisement.
1: That By the way, not my idea. I was super shocked when it showed up. I was like, wait, I don't think Bert approved that. But
0: it made me giggle when I saw it. And I thought anyone who like, like anyone who sees it is anyone who sees it and don't know what it, it We'll go to Leanne's podcast and be like, what the fuck is this? Right. And then
1: it's very pink anyone, and orange in your massively black bus. <laughs> and so
0: but anyone that comes out to one of my shows and sees it, it'll, I thought it would make them giggle. And any like any of you guys listening.
1: But I won't be on the bus.
0: Leon will be on the bus the first run. Just
1: the first run. Uh, to...
0: First run is December, January 10th. Portland, Seattle, Calgary, Vancouver.
1: Right. I'll and there are the
0: tickets available still, I think, for s- Seattle or Vancouver. On the second, shows. second show. Second shows added. There's tickets available. Go to BertBertBert.com and check if we're hitting a bunch of cities. Um, and, and we added second shows to all of them except for Vegas. So if you didn't get tickets, you can definitely get tickets. Uh, and that's it. Let's start the podcast. Sounds good. I hope you guys have a fantastic New Year's. Be safe. Don't drink and drive. I only say that because I know people think I support drinking and driving because I drink a lot. I never drink and drive. I never, well, I never drive these days, really.
1: You don't drink and drive for sure. Never have. And so
0: just be safe. Get an Uber. I wish I had an app for, I wish I had an ad for Uber so you could get a free Uber, but just be safe so that you can have a great fucking New Year's. Oh, and let's not forget, please, uh, Brian Regan has a new Netflix special, uh, it's a comedy. It's a. It's more like a comedy sketch show where it's stand up sketch. It's called Stand Up and Away with Brian Regan. It's streaming right now on Netflix. Go watch it. I will watch it tonight. Um, I haven't watched it last night, but uh, it was out last night. We watched Die Hard. What do you,
1: we did it's, well. It's Christmas. And then some woke people. Up and... Some people watched Die Hard, and some people fell asleep with a glass of wine on their belly and then spilled it all over themselves while they were <laughs> sleeping. And we're laying. I'm on one couch, and Georgia's on the other couch. And Georgia goes, "Hey, mom." Dad's asleep, and I went. Yeah, no, no shit, Georgia. And she goes, "No, I think you should take a look." And I turn around. And you've got this wine glass. You look like your mother with your hands crossed over your chest, but in the middle of your two little hands is a wine glass. And I go, "He's gonna spill that." And Georgia's like, "No, he's got a pretty good grip on it." I was like, "No." Well, why would you? And you guys woke it.
0: me up. You went, "Bert." Yep. And then and it. then I fucking spilled it all over my chest <laughs> and ruined my favorite white shirt.
1: It was really funny though. He couldn't help it. It had to be done.
0: Like I said, Brian (laughs) Regan has a Netflix stand-up sketch show out right now called Stand Up and Away with Brian Regan. It's streaming right now on Netflix. Go check it out. Tag him on social medias. Let him know that you found him here. Uh, It was an absolute honor to sit and hang out with this guy for two days. We did a... Something's Burning. Something's Burning the day before. And then we did this podcast... It's some of the hardest I've ever laughed on a podcast. That's I great. I, I hope you get ready to giggle. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Regan. This
1: is the podcast.
0: Yeah, my wife loves that peanut brittle. It was good. I, she I'm just like, not a real peanut brittle person. You know what's so funny? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a really big toffee person lately. Toffee? I've been into toffee like crazy. Oh, okay. Like just been I you know score bars and you ever have I'm a not. score bar?
2: I'm putting my phone in airplane mode. Excuse me. Okay. There. Um We'll pretend like we're on an airplane.
0: Uh yeah, you ever have a score bar?
2: Never heard of it. Are you serious? Never
0: heard of a score bar. Are you being serious? I'm serious. Oh S C O R E? Like S K O R. S. K, never heard of it. Uh, I'm, how about a Heath Bar? That I've heard of. Okay. Score Bar is like a Heath Bar, but it's like a different type of toffee. Okay. Yeah. I, had a, I, went, through a, I went through a phase in college where I was like, there's a lot of things I hadn't tried and I'm going to start with candy bars. And so I bought every candy bar there was and I tried every candy bar.
2: You hadn't had a candy bar until you went to college? No. <laughs> 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 what a deprived childhood.
0: No, I just, like I'd never had a payday. Oh, different kind. There were yeah. certain kinds of. I don't have like a Snickers or whatchamacallit, call it, a I Kit Kat, um, Reese's peanut butter cups. Like those are the only ones I'd really had. Wow. And it, it, was, it was. I don't know. How chickens get out. Okay, um, that's funny.
2: So, so a lot of your classmates are like, you know, now that I'm in college, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to start exploring. I might travel. I might backpack through
0: Europe. And you're like, I'm going to have a bunch of different kinds of candy bars. I remember the day very vividly. I went to an Eckerd's (laughs) drugstore. You remember Eckerd's? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. You got like a wagon. You filled it up with... uh... With candy bars, <laughs> dude. I woke up giggling about the Siegfried and Roy thing. Oh I man! I got in bed with my my wife. Came in the bedroom. She's like, "Hey, you're, you got a busy day. You got to get up." And I said, "Just get in bed. I just want to tell you something. that's making me giggle." <laughs> I've been saying that over and over in my head all fucking day. This ends tonight. Did you know Shimmel well? No, no. I
2: I think I met him a couple of times. Yeah, you know, but uh no, he was uh, incredibly funny though you know. And so, you know, dark and twisted. Yeah. You know what I mean? But uh but I like that kind of stuff if it's funny. Yeah.
0: And he was he was he was great, man. He uh he who was who started with you and we talked about this a little bit last night. But who started with you in in Florida? Uh well, a lot
2: of people fell by the wayside, people that I started with, but uh I'm sure you know Jeff Garland.
0: Of course. Yeah. Jeff Garland. Wait, Jeff Garland. This is going to sound really horrible. Jeff Garland did straight up stand up before he was an actor. Yeah. Well, he he did stand up, but it was like characters.
2: Yeah. 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 He would just go from character to character to character. Uh, Then there was John Manfralotti. Very funny comedian. Works with uh, Ray Romano a lot. He. uh,
0: Oh, was he in that documentary that Ray did?
2: Probably. I don't know. Yeah. 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 It was his opener. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, very funny. And uh, But other than that, not a lot of us came out of there.
0: Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, when I started, to, I didn't know of comedy clubs, to be honest with you. There was one on like uh, Kennedy Boulevard called, uh, it was like a little box. I, I, you'd drive by it when I was a kid in Tampa, uh-huh. and I'd see that. But Giggles? That was, what? I, I don't know, was it? Well,
2: Giggles was in Tampa. I don't know if that's the one you're thinking of. That
0: I might have been. It was like down, like. Down on the south side of Tampa. I don't remember. But. I don't remember either. Um totally. I mean I didn't know like do you remember the first time you went to a comedy club? I of course. It was uh it was the comic strip in Fort Lauderdale. That was
2: the sister club to the comic strip in New York. So they opened one in Fort Lauderdale and that was right when I wanted knew I wanted to be a comedian. But How old were you? Just out of college, twenty, twenty one. Um and uh I thought I was gonna have to move to New York City. Like the only comedy clubs that existed when I decided I wanted to be a comedian were in New York and LA. So I thought, all right, I'm gonna have to figure out how to, I figured I'd move to New York and try it. What year is this? 80.
0: God, so the the comedy booms hadn't taken off No,
2: no. So I look in the Miami Herald and I just see this ad for the comic strip comedy club in Fort Lauderdale, open mic night. Monday nights, it was the most, of all the ads I've seen in my life, it was the most momentous ad that I ever saw. It like, yeah. like, it, it like leapt out, leaped out at me, you know? <laughs> it was amazing. And I'm like, I can get there with a tank of gas. <laughs> so I called the place and they said, uh, yeah, we have open mic night on Monday. You have to come during the afternoon, late afternoon, to draw numbers. And then the show starts at 10. It's a late show time, but that's when they started. And um, depending on what number you drew, you drew, that's what slot they would give you that night. And they also had like three co-headliners. It was so bizarre the way they did it.
0: Do, do you and you they think, would slip you, you in between. You think back to when you look back at like how things were when you started and what you accepted and what you were like, like a 10 o'clock night show. Now in our heads, we're like, that's a late show.
2: Great, yeah, it, like Wednesday night. Three
0: headliners on a Wednesday Th- night. Yeah.
2: All doing 45. <laughs> yeah. Three co-headliners all doing 45 minutes with the show starting at 10 o'clock, like on a Wednesday night. <laughs> Who would think that that was the way they should do it? But that's the way they did it. But only on Monday they would slip the open micers in between the headliners and stuff like that. So I get there for the, to draw the numbers and they let us into the comedy club and they turn the lights on. And I just, I just fell in love with it. They had like these bright colored tablecloths and there's a stage with a little piano on there and a brick wall background. I mean, just super stereotypical now, but that's the first time I ever saw it. Yeah. And a cozy little room, the way it was laid out was just perfect. And I was like, uh, the, I hadn't even drawn my number yet.
0: <laughs> and you're like, I'm in.
2: I'm in. You know, I'm in. I, like I knew that, that, I already felt that I wanted to do it anyway. But like that just solidified it.
0: Did your, your brother go with you? Not that
2: time. I, it was sort of my own quest at the beginning. And uh, so I draw a number. I drew like five or something. And I didn't even know what that meant, you know. But all the other guys who, like, I guess it had been open a couple of weeks before I realized this. All the other guys were coming up going, I'll trade you. I'll trade you. <laughs> and I'm like, I ain't trading nothing. All I know is this number five is valuable. And it meant me to the show. It meant, yeah. like, right in the middle.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, so it was, uh, yeah, it was a cool thing. That that Those beginning stages, my first time I did it, it was in Tallahassee. At a pop belly, a, a bar named Pop Bellies. Okay, and they had four headliners go up in front of me and each do thirty minutes, and then I was uh, twenty minutes, and then I was supposed to do thirty-five at the end. It's the First time I ever did stand up, I closed the show doing thirty-five. <laughs> how? How, I, how? How
2: did? How did they think you could do thirty-five, and how did you think you could do thirty-five?
0: They wanted me to fail. Because I I was written up in Rolling Stone magazine as the number one party animal in the country in college. Oh, okay. And so, so this (laughs) is a nice claim to fame. Yeah. The (laughs) rolling, uh, it was a big deal. And and this radio station was like, called me up on air, like in my house. And they were like, So you want to be a comedian? I was like, Yeah, I do. And then I was like, I think I'm going to move to New York. Like, have you ever done it? I was like, No. And they're like, You've never done comedy? And they're like, No. And they're like, Well, why don't we put on a show? Well, you can do comedy, and I was like, "Great!" I didn't realize they're studying, you know. And it's just the the ignorance of you know, just ignorance is bliss, right? Right. I was right. like, "Oh, cool!" And they're like, "Yeah, you we'll make you the headliner. Is that cool?" And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> awesome!" <laughs> and so they had these four dudes go in front of me, and I just got up, and I, it was probably the closest thing to me being pure, like being like just as funny as I could be. Where I just got up, and I had no idea, and I just. Off the top of my head, just fucking all over the map, and uh, I murdered. Wow! And then I was like, I'm moving to New York, man. And, but you know, it's like it's like, in retrospect, you're like, oh yeah, like a lot of the things I was saying was just super hacky, like just ideas which weren't even flushed out. Right. Were just ideas that you know would make you giggle in college, like you, you'd make your friends laugh with. But, but yeah, thank you, thank you. Thank and I showed that tape to a uh, an agent named Jason Steinberg. And he, uh, he told me, yeah, I don't, I mean, I mean, I literally sent it to him thinking like, so can you just get me a TV show? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> that would be the most
2: skyrocketing <laughs> ascension to fame ever. <laughs> like, I had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> you do one, one stand-up set and all right, all right, I did that. Yeah. Now I should have a TV show. <laughs> yeah, I just did- <laughs> And I'll, I'll get the TV show And then I want a three picture movie deal
0: Yeah I literally was just like Cool He was like Well where do you live I said Tallahassee He says you gotta move to New York If you wanna do stand up I was like no I'm moving there The radio station offered me my own morning show They got done They were like you're actually good And I was like oh thanks and They're like do you wanna do a morning show And I was like yeah I'm, I'm, They're like it's great You'll come in You'll be like third mic And then this guy's leaving in a month And you'll take over the show It'll be your show In Tallahassee And I was wow. like great so I sat that night with this guy at the bar pop Popolis and was like, was like uh, so this is great, man. We're going to work together. And he's like, yeah. I said, why are you leaving? And he was like, who the fuck wants to do radio in Tallahassee? And I immediately I was like, not me anymore. <laughs> I was like, maybe I'll see you in New York. He was like, yeah, good luck, kid. <laughs> well, I've heard
2: so many comedians who ended up being good say that their first time on stage, it went well. Yeah. That happened for me too, but by a fluke. Um, me too. Mine was a fluke. You know, I, I hit the stage and blanked like, w- like white out. Like I couldn't think of any single thing. Like I had my whole five minutes memorized. And I get on, t- like everything was memorized from like, hi, how are you? You know, that was memorized. Yeah. It's great to be here. All that was like r- r- locked and ready to go. I get on, they introduce me, I get on stage and I said, uh, hi, how are you? And I was too close to the mic and it went yeah. like feedback. Yeah. And I had, I was in, introduced as an auditioner. So I said, well, I've already learned one thing. I don't know how to work a microphone. <laughs> and I got a big laugh. Yeah. And then my brain just went white or dark, whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah. like, like I blanked out. I could not remember the very next thing I was supposed to say. So I'm just sitting there, and they're like, you know, the laugh subsides. And I said, well, you're not going to believe this, but I forgot my act. <laughs> and then they laughed. Yeah. But I think they thought I was joking. And yeah. I said, no, I'm serious. I can't remember anything. And they, they laughed again. <laughs> so I immediately went into like, oh, they're laughing at this. Let me ad lib about how stupid I am. Yeah. So uh, so I just started ad libbing. I'm going, uh yeah, you know, cl- clearly I'm really good at this. You know, like I walk on stage, I don't know how to remember it. You know, like just winging about how dumb I am and how I'm blowing this whole opportunity. And I killed, like for five minutes. And at the end, I said, well, I don't ever see myself remembering anything, so it's probably time for me to get out of here. Good night, friend. everybody. I, <laughs> I left the stage, and then those some of those headliner guys came up and said, "That was um, that was great how you pretended... To forget your act and I I said I didn't didn't fake that (laughs) (laughs) I blanked out and um but anyway so I got lucky that I got laughs and I didn't I didn't care that I blanked out I was like well I know how to get laughs you know what I mean like and then I'll later I'll figure out how to remember (laughs) how to remember stuff but I wonder how many potentially great comedians out there did remember their act or 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 whatever, and bombed, and said, "I'm never doing this again." Like we had the good experience first, so you you could bomb four times, five times after that, and you know, well, I know how to do it. I just got to figure out what that was. Yeah. But if if you never had that experience, you might just go, "I need this," like I need a hole in the head,
0: man. It's like surfing. If you got it, if the first time you caught a wave, first time you paddled in and you caught the wave and you rode it, you're like that's fucking beautiful and then yeah. you go the next time you're like fuck no but i, can, I know i can do it i did it exactly I, I got on stage with this guy named john beamer i this very shortly i'll tell you this my first time on stage in new york i moved up to new york i used to i used to buy weed because i didn't have a place to stay i buy i buy I have a bag of weed and i meet people at a bar and go hey you want to get high my roommate's a dick why don't we go back to your place and we'll get high there and then i get high and i pass out on their couch and they couldn't wake me, and I have a place to sleep. I only did it like twice, <laughs> three times, right? So the f- second guy I do it to, maybe third guy I do it to. One was these investment bankers up north, uh, in like in up in uh, uh, West Upper West Side. Next one's this guy; he's a sound engineer. I think his name's Dan. And we go back to his place. We get high. I pass out on his couch. I wait. We watched my so-called life and listened to Tool, and uh, he's like, "Fuck," and he's like goes to his bedroom to go to sleep. His roommate wakes up the next morning, comes out. Turns out it's a guy I went to high school with, John Beamer. Right? Crazy. So I go, dude. He's like, wakes me. Up. He's like, Bert Kreischer. I go, Beamer. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing here? He goes, what What are you doing here? I go, I got high with your roommate last night. And he was like, shut up. And I was like, uh, he's like, what? He'd heard about the Rolling Stone. He goes, what are you, what are you doing in New York So I'm getting into stand up. He goes, I'm doing an open mic this week. Is this is this to say Thursday? I'm doing open mic on Monday night at the Boston Comedy Club. Mm-hmm. He said, why don't I see if I can get you in on it and you can do the open mic with me? And I was like, great. I go, I've done it once. I'm really good at it. He was like, <laughs> he's like, awesome. He went to Martha's Vineyard that weekend and wrote his act. It was about, I remember his, one of his jokes, because he ran the act in, front, in the living room Monday afternoon to me. Right. He ran the act. And I hadn't. I, didn't, I was like, oh, no, I don't think you practice. I think you just get up and speak. <laughs> and uh, and John Beamer ran his act. A lot of it was uh, uh, watching Friends the other day. Like, those are New York apartments. Sure. Yeah, that's right. How come they can't hear their neighbor's shoe in the dryer or something like that? So that was one of his jokes. Sorry, Beamer, if I'm doing it justice. <laughs> so we go to the Boston Comedy Club. Dimitri Martin's there. You know Dimitri Martin? Yeah. Dimitri Martin's there. It's his first night. David J. Nash, big showrunner, uh, myself, John Beamer, two other people. John Beamer jumps up on stage, a big applause, and he hops up and he goes, Hey, <laughs> I forgot everything I was supposed to say. There you go. And it gets a big laugh, right? And he goes, I'm not joking. And then it gets another laugh. And then he jumps off stage and that gets an even bigger laugh. And then he jumps back on stage. He goes, ha ha, <laughs> still can't remember it. And he says, You just witnessed the shortest career in show business. Hands up, walks out. Wow. (laughs) He then says to me that night, I'm leaving New York. I'm going home. If you (laughs) want, you can rent my apartment. (laughs) So I rented his
2: apartment. Well, he didn't learn, like,
0: he and I had the same
2: exact experience, but I I realized it was a good thing. Yeah. He got laughs. I
0: followed him and I've murdered. I got up and I was like, anyone ever jack off in a cheeseburger? And everyone's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was so oblivious. I was so oblivious to that. How soon until you found your voice? I, I, I'm still... F- oh, shut the fuck up, I, dude. People quote you. People quote you do Brian Regan to me all the time. It's With always the, the baby yeah, do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> baby panda.
2: <laughs> A lot of times when people do me, they do the, the when I do the dumb fantasies. They go, "Oh man, I'm feeling stupid, feel really stupid." So so, look at the sun, The sun, big big yellow one, big yellow one's the sun. And I'm like, I'm like, I wonder if I could do an impression of people
0: doing an impression of me, dude. Your there's your voice. I'll tell you my perspective of your voice. Your voice is a very innocent. Like I feel like I am your voice. Sometimes when I write, I can hear. I have a part in my in my machine story. I, I don't know if you've ever heard my machine story, but there's a part in it. When I, I've told this now for five years, seven, I've, nine years maybe I've told this story. I tell it every fucking show. I'll tell it every show until the day I die. I close mm-hmm. on it every night. People yell it. I'll still tell it. There's a part the other night that I was doing, uh, knowing that you were going to be on Something's Burning, know you are going to be on Thing, where as I said it, I went, I said out loud on stage, I'm doing Brian Regan. <laughs> where he goes, the cops, uh, I robbed a trainer when I was a kid in Russia with the Russian Mafia. And so there's a part where the, cot, where the where the conductor comes in, rips, I'll, I'll do the bit, this part of the bit for you. Conduct, that's not the, the real gangster shit is, everyone who works in it comes to pay their respects. The conductor walks in, rips off the stars and stripes to a shirt, places them on my lap, and goes, this is a present for the machine. It would be an honor to do a shot of vodka with the machine. I'm 22 years old thinking, oh, these machine stories might have gotten out of control. <laughs> I'm doing, I read literally, I did it the other night, I went, I literally went like this. I went, I think I'm doing Brian Regan. And the place went nuts. But you get, but like, you're, you're, when you write, you're, you come from such a like, like honest, like the, the base of how all of us, no ego, no id, just the, or maybe, maybe id, but no, just the base of all of us. Like, mom, like, like it's really innocent and it's pure and it's like, and i go i oh, wonder how long it took you to find you before you were like like i'm an, uh what's up with the news today and then you're like Man, fuck that's not working yeah, like how long right. did it take you to get to where you started how about this how long until it take you to get to a place where you're like oh i can write pretty quick now like i'm i can get a bit up and running a lot faster than it took I,
2: I first started headlining seriously in clubs after having done it seven years. And you know, Chris DePetta is yeah. a big booker down in uh, Florida. He's, he might be out here. Billy manager. Yeah. Um, and he booked me as a headliner and he said, uh, he goes after seven years, you're either, you're either going to make it or you're not. You know what I mean? And he said, you, you have, you figured it out after seven years, you can, you can, you're strong and all of that. And, uh, and I remember thinking, I, I I didn't set out on a seven-year quest, but I think it takes a number of years, maybe seven is the number, you know, to... Like, I threw a lot of things at the wall when I first started, you know, and a lot of stuff that was just, yeah, you know. And then stuff falls by the wayside, and you tend to gravitate towards the stuff that feels most natural to yourself. And um, so that's what started working for me is, like, if I included, I, I realized if I included self-deprecation because I'm, I'm socially awkward and all that
0: off stage, and uh, it's, you uh, you genuinely are, and I, it's not something that anyone watching you as a fan ever notices. But like when I watched you last night, you're very, you're such an interesting person. Like you really are. You <laughs> oh, went around you. and shook hands with everyone in the uh, crew. I try to do that. Yeah, yeah I never do that. <laughs> Like literally to a fault i don't even I don't even know some of their names and Do you I know this guy them. behind you barely <laughs> I try not to make eye contact with them, <laughs> but like you're you are very like quirky like if that makes it if that yeah makes that
2: that's true i i and and that's why i I guess one reason why I wanted to do comedy is because it's so against what's natural for me is this desire to get on stage and go, wow, you know it would be like um I don't know, Walking on a high wire with a fear of heights. It's like, well, let me see if I can do it, you know? And so I, I love, I love being able to make people laugh, and I especially love being able to make people laugh when I'm hitting on things that are real to me. You know, if I can throw some discomfort in there and go, I feel awkward when I do this, or I feel awkward when I do that. And when you get a room full of people going with that, you you feel accepted, you know? It's like, okay, I'm not alone, Yeah. you know, where I, it's like, we all feel this way. And then I realize in a way I'm getting very philosophical here. We all kind of put on a facade. You know what I mean?
0: As I'm talking to you, I'm hearing your voice, but I'm hearing your bits in my head that are, that are these, that is the character you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. you like, I call this seat. I call this chair. Yeah, I, call this chair. I, I call this chair. I call this. You want to go halves on a pie? <laughs> like just the funniest. is silly. The, it's, but it's, but it's somewhere we've all been at different points in our lives where you just, I think it's, it's true to every single individual
2: that's what i'm I'm hoping for i I like those kind of jokes that everybody can go, yeah I you know i I felt like that or I've said that or I wanted to say that you know yeah. I mean a lot of comedy out there is divisive, which is fine too i I, I believe everybody should do whatever they want to be doing and if, if somebody wants to bash somebody, go for it, you know, but that's not what that's not what I'd like to do. I like to do the kind of stuff where everybody in the room feels. Like they're into it, you know. I had
0: uh, I, I had a, <clears throat> I've been saying the word epiphany a lot lately, but I had a little bit of an epiphanous uh, realization at a time in my life when I was trying to be very edgy, um, like really edgy, and I just I just thought that's where that's where the business. I was like, no, that's the business, and it was around that time that I got I got a new truck, and in the truck came with Sirius XM, and you were all over Sirius XM, and I I remember being in the car with my dad listening to you mm. and my dad's howling laughing. I told you the story, nah. I told you the story about my daughters and driving over the hill and they're listening, we're all three listening to you and all four listening to you with my wife and she turns it down and she's like, that's what dad does for a living. And they're just like, huh, <laughs> that is it? And I was like, tell us one of your jokes. I was like, well, they're <laughs> a little, eh. But, but <laughs> a little at rough. that same time, oddly <laughs> enough, Kevin Hart, I saw Kevin Hart do the uh, Cedric Entertainer's All-Star Basketball Jam and he walked out on stage and everyone's going like, Man, pimps are like this, and who's where the hoes at? And I'm oh, real thugs. And everyone's saying that. Everyone's doing that. Kevin Hart walked out and he goes, uh, I got two kids. And I was, and the whole crowd was like, Okay. And in my head, I was like, Oh. Like people get wasted. They love the pimps and they love the hoes. And they some people like dirty jokes, but a lot of those people in that room have kids. Right. And 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 I was like, I was I laughed so fucking hard at that, and that time I was I was discovering you. My brother, my buddy Trevor Delakov, is like the biggest fan of yours, and he and he's goofy like like, and he loves to. He would just recite your jokes to me, uh, and it was nice. like it was really eye opening. What was your first big break in this business, like?
2: Uh, well, I always say that the f- first big break for me was when I auditioned at that comic strip, like the first time I didn't pass, you know, even though it went well. Second time I was on stage, I bombed. Third time, did not do well. My fifth audition, it went well. Like the stuff I had memorized, you know, I I felt like I was more comfortable on stage. I got laughs with what I had thought about. And I get off stage and I go sit down at my little table and a Budweiser in front of me. And the guy who ran the place, Joe Mullen, uh, indebted to this day. In fact, I just talked to him the other day. He just sent me some pictures of me on stage at the comic strip. Anyway, um, he came up to me and said, uh, hey, uh, and I didn't know who he was. You know, He's the guy who runs the place who's watching the comedians. I didn't know that. Yeah. He goes, um, can I talk to you in the kitchen? And I had a feeling, <clears throat> oh, this must be the guy that's watching. And I had a feeling like, that this was good, and I said, uh, "Yeah, sure." And he picks up my tab. I had a, the tab for the Budweiser. He goes, "I'm taking care of this," and that meant so much to me. Like, 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 I knew, I knew that this was going to a good place. Like, why would he be buying my beer if he was about to tell me never to come back again?
0: You know what I mean? Timidly, that, <laughs> <to mean. laughs> you're buying it. Don't on your knees. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh,
2: so he took me uh, in the back and said hey i've been watching you over the last few weeks i didn't know anybody was paying that close attention he goes uh you got kind of an interesting thing going and as far as i'm concerned uh you've passed your audition he's like a feisty irish guy you know and i said oh man thank you you know and my brain is racing my heart is pounding and, and uh I said, I, I appreciate that. I said, I don't don't really know what that means. He goes, he goes, well, you're a local comedian. He goes, we're open seven nights a week. Auditioners are only allowed to go on Mondays, but locals, which you are now can go on every night. And he goes, but the way we do it here is the three co-headliners do their thing. And we let the locals go on at the end of the show, you know, after they're all done. I said, so I can come on seven nights a week? And he goes, well, yeah. I mean, I said, uh, I don't want to overstep my bounds, but would I be abusing the privilege if I came every single night? <laughs> and he said, he said, I've never had anybody ask me that. <laughs> he goes, you want to come every night? I said, if I'm allowed? He goes, yeah, then come every night. And I went every single night. No- but anyway, to finish, the, that night I was driving home and I am, this is gonna sound like the corniest BS thing. As I'm driving home, just like in cloud nine about this whole thing, like, cause this is my dream. Yeah, I wanna be a comedian. I got a comedy club guy telling me I'm a local and I can go on every night, you know? And I swear to God, a shooting star just flew right by me as I was driving. And I'd never seen a shooting star in my life. And, a sh- and I was driving going, this is the most amazing night of my life. And I see a shooting star go, shoo, and I was like, God, damn.
0: <laughs> 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 like, damn, this is
2: unbelievable. I'm in oh, a car by shit. myself, you know, <laughs> just going berserk, screaming, you know. Oh. it was It was crazy. It was absolutely crazy.
0: Oh. That's fucking amazing.
2: Yeah. I You know, and I'm like, damn, damn. I mean, could, could, could like, like life could not have been more beautiful for me than that in, in that instant. And you, you know? just
0: started going up every single night. I went
2: on every night for how every long? night living with your parents. I, I live with my parents for one year. I, w- I was down in Miami and then after a year I moved up. We grew up in Miami, and this club was in Fort Lauderdale. So I ended up moving up to Fort Lauderdale, got a tiny little apartment, and uh, you know, I went on every single night for two years straight. And then after two years, I like took one night off, you know, and then that felt weird. I'm like, I this is too long away from the stage. (laughs) I'm gonna forget how to how to do it, you know.
0: I remember those days. The uh, not to not to change the direction of the conversation, but you grew up in Miami in the dangerous time of Miami, huh? Yeah, I mean,
2: that's when like uh, all the drug stuff was happening and all the killings, but there was never any nothing around where I lived. Where'd you grow up in Miami? Um, you know, we're Coral Gables. I was going to say Coral Gables. No. We didn't live there. Okay. We lived outside of Coral Gables. <laughs> we were Coral Gables adjacent. <laughs> <laughs> Coral Gables where all the rich people lived. Yeah. We were like middle class my dad worked for Eastern airlines and your dad worked
0: for Eastern airlines, Eastern
2: airlines. He raised eight kids, you know, just eight kids. Yeah. Are you the, and you're the, I'm fourth out of eight. Dennis who also does comedy is third
0: out of eight and, uh, six boys, two girls. So you have younger brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and yeah. they, do they all live in Florida still or are they all over the place? Some are in Florida.
2: But none of us live in Miami anymore. Really? Um, I have a, a brother and a sister who live in Tampa. I have another brother in Fort Myers. My mom is still alive. She just turned 92. She's in Tampa.
0: Um, Dennis is in LA. You know, people all over the place. I remember hearing you, that you and Dennis toured together when the first time I was in Tampa. I think you guys were at the Tampa Improv. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing this is probably in 90. No, probably maybe. Well, this is a good question. So when did you get into, when did you start Tell me about the comedy boom if you can. Tell me about its decline and then its resurgence. Here's what I want to hear. This is everything I want to know right now. I want to know about the comedy boom, riding that wave. I want to know the comedy decline and where, what you did during that decline. And then I want to talk about your leap to theaters, the first leap to theaters and what that was like. But first off, let's... <laughs> sorry. It's like I have a million questions I have for like you. Seven questions. There. Yeah, I don't I know. know. <laughs> I'm, I'm the worst fucking interviewer in the world. <laughs> Especially when I'm really interested in people, I just jump all over the place. <laughs> no, I, I'm talk I'm drug wars in Miami. <laughs> and then I want you to talk about World War II. And then I want you to
2: talk about. Um, we're going to talk about archaeology. We're going to talk about astronomy.
0: <laughs> and then I need you to do three bi- three of your bits, and we're good. <laughs> and then we're going to make peanut brittle. <laughs>
2: Okay, I'll do my best. Um, Well, which one first? The comedy boom. Well, like, like I said, I started before the comedy boom. When I started, comedy clubs were in New York and L.A. only. And then while I passed and was at the comic strip in Fort Lauderdale, I was there for a few years. That's when comedy started to percolate around the country and comedy itself became this new thing. Comedy clubs became a thing. So comedy clubs were starting to open in different cities around the country. And this was while I was practicing to be a comedian. So I got very fortunate. You talk about the wave thing before, like it it felt like I was on a surfboard. And at first you look back and there are no waves. And then well off on the horizon. I'm starting to see these waves coming in and this was the comedy wave. So I, when I was ready to go out on the road, um, I wanted to make sure I was, I had people tell me, don't go out on the road until you're ready to middle. Don't go out as an opener. Yeah. You want to go out as a middle. So I probably waited longer than I needed to, you know, like, uh, I wanted, I wanted to feel like I was strong. So I was able to get work right away because comedy clubs needed comedians. It was a supply and demand thing. Yeah. You know, clubs were opening all over and there weren't as enough comedians. So. I could get work just because I could stand on stage for a half an hour, and sometimes it worked, sometimes it wouldn't. But at least I could I could fill that thirty minutes, you know. Yeah. So, um, and I was able to work every single week. Sometimes on a Sunday night, I didn't know where I was going to be the next week, and uh, you know, you'd call a comedy club, go, "Do you have an opener?" Yeah, we had a falling out over in Tallahassee or something, you know. So it's like, so I worked. And then the comedy thing exploded and I started going from, uh, opener, middle to headliner.
0: What was the pay like back then? Um,
2: I would get, when I first went on the road, it was like 300 a week or 400 a week. For future work? I would get 400 if I was middling. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I had to take opening work Yeah, yeah. and I would get 300 as an opener, um, I was a just a terrible negotiator. Oh, I was I've never I've
0: never negotiated once in my life. I
2: had uh had a guy say, "All right, I'll book you. I'll give you 300." And I said, "Well, uh I like to get 400." <laughs> and he goes, "Uh Oh, you do, huh?" <laughs> he goes, "Well, I like to pay 300." <laughs> I'm like <laughs> he, he goes, "I'll tell you what. He goes, "I'll give you 400, but let me I'm gonna be your agent for this weekend. And I'm like, what does that mean? He goes, I'm gonna take ten percent back. <laughs> so I'll give you three sixty. It was so so ridiculous. I'm like, okay, so you're my agent in this instant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. I'll take three sixty. You know. So I, I had an agent for, for one minute who who made forty
0: dollars off me. <laughs> Sunday night, Brian, I gotta let you go. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I gotta let you go. It's not working out.
0: <laughs>
2: I remember doing a Tom Sobel caravan, and uh, and I had done it once. If you don't know, if nobody does know, Tom Sobel is a big Midwestern booker, and he used to book a bunch of one nighters throughout the Midwest. And I had done them one time, and he paid me uh, four hundred dollars, something like that, which is fine. I you know I, I, I would. Four hundred dollars for a single guy out on the road, you know that that's beer money. Like yeah. I, I didn't need any more money, um, and I was gonna go do the his tour again, and I'm on the phone, and I'm like, I gotta I gotta ask for more money, so. Uh, I I wanted to ask for uh, like five hundred, and he goes, "All right, let's talk money." I said, "All right, cool." And he goes, "That weekend, $400. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit! This is not. I, I want more. He goes for That weekend, <laughs> I'll give you nine hundred.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was just
2: about to say, I want five hundred. You know,
0: <laughs> for... for that Four. I'll weekend, take it. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you nine hundred. I'm like, yeah, sold, sold. <laughs> I'm in. Oh. Mm-hmm. So then, how long did you? How long were you? on the road doing that boom before you were like, well, fuck it. I'm going to lock down. Did you ever move to New York and just live in New York? I moved to New York
2: in 86. There was another, there's another great comedian, Carl Falkenberry, who I think lives in Florida. Um, he was from Houston, Texas. He was, I, I just met him out on the road and he was either one of the outlaws of comedy or hung out with that crew, Bill Hicks and Sam Kinison and that whole thing. And uh I liked Carl's stuff. he liked my stuff, and we both wanted to move to New York, but neither of us like knew how to do it, and we said, why don't we why don't we commit to go move there at the same time? and we'll get an apartment together because we're not going to be able to, you know afford our own place, So we both moved to New York at the same time, and we tried to get <laughs> we tried to get an apartment. I don't know why <laughs> I don't know why we thought this, but we thought. We're not going to get an apartment if we say we're comedians because they're going to think that we, we don't we don't have enough money to support ourselves. So I said, I'm already giggling I said, fucking options. I said we need to sound like we have a more legitimate thing. And he goes, all right, well, what do you have in mind? I said, let's say we're children. We write children's books. I swear to God, (laughs) you write children's
1: books, (laughs) (laughs) and you're
2: you're more the author, and I'm more the illustrator. (laughs) (laughs) He said, all right, so we go looking at apartments, and that guy goes... So, what do you guys what do you guys do? And I'm like, we write children's books. And the guys look at us like Really? I said, yeah. I said, well, I don't write them. He writes them. I I do the illustrating. And the guy goes, "The room's not available anymore."
0: Oh, oh my god. It's twice in two days and I've had that laugh in the middle of my stomach where you feel like you're going to pass out. Yeah. Oh, uh, we write children's
2: books. I don't know why I I thought <laughs> that would be better than saying we're comedians. You know, I don't, I don't know, but.
0: <laughs> oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh. Oh. Talk about oh. creepy. Two guys <laughs> want to live together and write
2: children's books. <laughs> does the place come with a typewriter and 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 crayons
0: oh oh my god oh fuck oh my
2: god so uh we ended up realizing we couldn't get a place together we ended up getting our own thing like he found a place and i found a place uh, no, and and, we, and we, we've yet to we've yet to create a, a children's book.
0: Oh, did you guys have you ever talked about that on stage? Mm-mm. Oh my god! I think that that's the first so time fucking, I've told the story. That is so fucking funny. I'm sweating and crying. <laughs> uh, we write children's books He does the writing. I just did the old stage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, oh. Who was who was in New York at the time? Like, what was the what was the scene like?
2: Well, catch a rising
0: star was uh, the club. <clears throat> um, the the day imp- I, when I first moved to New York was the day it closed. No way. Yeah, not the day, but that that like within that month, I went to the closing party. I met Kevin Brennan. My family's from Philly. They knew Kevin Brennan, uh-huh. and so my uncles were Kevin went to high school. with Kevin, they said, reach out to Kevin Brennan, tell him you you know the Hobsons, and he'll 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 he should look after you. And Ke- mm-hmm. no one had talked to Kevin Brennan, All right. and so I go up to him and catch a rising star So my my is Burt Kreischer my uncle's Dave Hobson Johnny Hobson and his parents lived next door to my uncle at the time okay and he goes oh, okay I said I'm starting comedy I need some advice and he goes well let me introduce you to the guy that gives all the advice around here and he goes sit with this guy and he'll take care of you and I sat down next to David Tell and, he, and I said so Kevin said you can give me some advice in comedy and David Tell goes quit now <laughs> 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 I said <laughs> really, because it just gets worse. <laughs> He's great. Yeah. I just saw him last night. All right, so I think I saw the picture. Yeah, man. yeah. I was on Rogue. Did you see Rogan too? Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. I, I hadn't hung out
2: in the comedy store and and forever, and yeah. uh, it was just fun to go there and
0: have a couple beers and chat with people. It's so hot right now there. Yeah, I just talked. I just talked to Atel on the phone for forty five minutes the other day, mm. and I I laughed. He's so funny. Even uh, when he's not trying to be funny, he's so fucking funny. I, you know, there,
2: there's the the craft word part of jokes, and then there's the attitude part of jokes. He has both, but the attitude part is so silly and infectious. Oh. Like I watched him perform last night, and I'm in the back. You, I just laugh every moment.
0: He, I laugh
2: every moment because you're guessing what's going on in his head and it, it, it beat to beat you just go this guy is one of the funniest guys ever
0: he uh halston dropped the audio on this so we don't tell it to david tells a new joke so just drop the audio right now as soon as a joke starts david tell said the funniest fucking joke in vegas he goes is it just me or does an <laughs> oh my God! Okay, yeah, the, uh, crank the audio back up when you hear Brian laughing. That's—it that's tells the best. He's the best. I, He's—I mean—and he... that's like an unstealable
2: joke. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, not that anybody should steal jokes, but like if anybody else did that joke, you can't go. Well, I thought of the same thing. Yeah. No. No, you did. No one brain thinks of that. <laughs> There's only one brain that comes up with that kind of joke.
0: Oh. Um so so who so Catch was the big club. Catch was the big the club. I, I didn't I didn't thing. go there first. Yeah.
2: I went to the Comic Strip first because I felt an allegiance because I had started at the Comic Strip in uh in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. So I thought I thought they would know a little bit about me, you know, having worked at the one in Fort Lauderdale mm-hmm. for a few years. And in my mind, I guess I was kind of naive, I thought it was a formality that I would go up and I would be welcomed.
0: Hey guys, it's Brian.
2: Into the comic strip, and uh, I went there and I auditioned and didn't pass. And I was like, "Wow, huh, really?" <laughs> like it was confusing to yeah. me. I'm like, "Yeah, they're like, we we don't quite quite see it
0: quite yet, you know." Was that Lucian? Was he running it? It then? was Lucian, and um, he told me I should quit comedy.
2: But Lucian, you know, he passed a lot of great people as well. You know, and, and it's a hard thing. That job is a hard thing because who knows? You know, you're going to make mistakes along the way. But I felt he made a mistake with me. Yeah. <clears throat> I have enough of an ego where I thought he was making a mistake.
0: Well, part of this business is letting people with good opinions sometimes tell you you're not worth it, and then persevering through that. Not to show them, but to be like, yeah, you, you just can't take you can't take advice from anybody.
2: Correct. You can't, you, I mean, you can't just listen to that and go, well, I guess he's right, and uh, I'm going to go work in a warehouse. Yeah. You know, you have to go, that's your opinion. I, I disagree, and I'm I'm not done. I'm not quitting. Yeah. So I started getting in at other clubs, and there were more obscure clubs. There was a place called Comedy U Grand down in the village. Yeah. And that was the first time I met Ray Romano, because he wasn't in at the other clubs yet either, you know? Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> He was on stage doing his, he had a thing where he, I like to do an impression, I can't do an impression of him. Like to do my impression of a volcano. And he put like a rubber band in his hair and he had to, he was able to manipulate his head muscles (laughs) where all of a sudden the rubber band would pop up and his hair would (laughs) pop up. It was a very silly visual thing and everybody would laugh. And anyway, we got, you know, we hung out a little bit. So I started there, I got in at these other obscure clubs and. First main club I got in was the Improv, yeah. And it was Sandy, no, Silver Friedman, Bud Friedman's wife, ran yeah, the yeah, one in yeah. New York. So, uh, and my first time on stage there, I got off stage, and she said, uh, "She goes, I want to pass you, but I want to see you one more time. I want you to begin with an autobiographical joke, and I want you to do less mugging with your face." So I said, all right. So I came back a month later and, hey, I'd like to tell you something about me. (laughs) (laughs) But you're not going to see it in my face, I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) So she passed me. Oh, Yeah. So I did that and then I got in at the other clubs. But I waited on catch because catch was the most important room. So I wanted to get in at all the other clubs first. I wanted Lewis... Who who ran that place, Louis Ferranda.
0: I just met Louis Ferranda this past week in New York. Oh, uh, he's or, great. When I did the New York Comedy Fest, I was like, I dude, not to take. I'm sorry, I do this with the interviews, okay. but like, I I did a town hall, and I'm downstairs. First time ever doing a theater in New York. I'm downstairs. And my shirt's off because I had sweat walking there, so I'm trying to dry my shirt because I go on stage in a shirt and take it off. So I'm drying my shirt. and I'm talking to this lady, and she's like, "I'm thank you so much for doing this," and I'm like, "Oh, thanks." Uh, thank you for having me i was like i'm bert she goes i'm caroline i went cool and she goes you know i've heard so much about you and i said oh nice do you work for the festival and she's like i run the festival and i was like oh (laughs) cool she goes i own caroline's i go hold on that's a person (laughs) yes i go you're caroline like you're care i was like shut up i lost it and then i get off stage and this guy goes hey great job i was like oh thanks i go like a smaller guy with like a hoodie on and a and a like a <laughs> jacket, and like just kind of a tough-looking guy. And he goes, uh, "I said, nice to meet you. I'm Bert." And he goes, "I'm Lewis." I went, oh. You're Louis? I "You are Lewis I know you." And he's like, "Oh, yeah. I've heard of those guys. I didn't even know they were real people."
2: That's funny. I, I felt the same way about the Caroline thing. I just thought it was a name, and then to go, oh, "That oh, that's her." Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so I I wanted Catch to be the last one. And then when I got in at all the other clubs, I want I wanted to. Hopefully, he would have heard. You know, like you hear about who's doing spots here and there. Yeah. So when I finally felt ready, I went over and did a spot, and Lewis was like, "Yeah, yeah, I heard about you." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, that plan, that part worked." He threw me on stage in the meat of the show, and I just happened to have a great set, and like I was, boom, like in, like he just gave me prime, prime spots anytime I wanted. That's great. From Jump Street. And how long were you in New York before you were like, I'm out? Well, I moved there in 86, and then, uh... Jesus. I, I did I, the, you know, I did the, the first TV thing I was ever on was the MTV Half Hour Comedy Hour.
0: MTV Half Hour Comedy Hour. I think I remember
2: those. Yeah, there would be like five comics on it, you yeah. know? And, uh... So that was the first TV thing I was ever on. And when it was gonna air, I didn't have a, I didn't have a TV. So I'm like, well, I wanna watch myself on TV for the first time. So I called a friend of mine. I said, doesn't your brother live here in New York? And he goes, yeah. He goes, call him up and you can go over to his place and watch the MTV Half Hour Comedy Hour. I said, great. So I called Tom Pagley. I said, hey man, can I come over to your place and watch my f- first time I'm ever gonna be on TV? He said, sure. But I'm not gonna be there. My uh you know, I'm traveling or something, but my roommate'll be there. So I said, Oh, okay. So I went and <laughs> knocked on some apartment door, some strange dude. He said, Yeah, can I help you? I said, Hey, um Tom said I could come in here and watch myself on T V. He goes, Okay. <laughs> So I go, and I sit down on a couch like that, you know, with the TV over here, and uh. this guy sits on a chair behind me, just watching, he was watching me watch me, <laughs> and he didn't laugh at all. He just, he didn't, not one giggle, not one chuckle, and and I'm just so uh. self-conscious the whole time, I'm like, this is the most awkward <laughs> thing ever.
0: <laughs> I mean, you got a beer or something?
2: <laughs> oh. Did you make me a sandwich while I watch myself on TV? Oh. And, uh... And then it was over. I don't know, ten minute spot. And I said, uh, "All right, man, thanks." <laughs> he didn't say, "Hey, good job." Nothing. He goes, "Yeah, you're welcome." You know. And then I walk out the door and I hear all the click, the clock, the yeah. click, 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 and he's locking the doors behind me. You know.
0: Very strange. <clears throat> so when did you when did you start doing the road the way you're doing it? Like when did? Cause I, when I moved to I moved to New York in '97. I saw you do your I saw you do your half hour. In ninety nine, is that correct? It's for Comedy Central. Comedy Central presents. It could be. I don't. I don't remember the. <clears throat> what, what was I? I'm, I'm trying to figure out a timeline of your life, like going like, because when in New York in the eighties, I know you guys got to get out of here. I know you have a. I'm, you have, no, I'm good. Okay. Um, when did, were you? Did you go back? I didn't even know the road existed when I first got to New York. I didn't know that you could do the road. What was it like when the comedy boom started fall, disappearing? I was lucky
2: again <laughs> in that. When comedy, remember how I was saying earlier that comedy itself was this new thing and people in towns were like, hey, there's a comedy club, let's go check out the comedy club. They didn't know what comedians were gonna be in there, they didn't care, it was this new thing. Um, But then that novelty wore off and so comedy started drying up but I had just at that time gotten enough of a following where I was a draw. So it was much harder for comedians who were funny, but who didn't have a draw to get work because comedy clubs were drying up. And the clubs that were left only wanted to book comedians who had a draw. Yeah. And I, so I got lucky with that wave as well. It's like, okay, I, so I was a, I, I had no issues with comedy drying out. I remember a lot of friends of mine going, man, this is tough, this is tough. And I felt bad for them, but I was fortunate that it didn't affect me. I That's worked every great. week. And, uh, and then when comedy started coming back
0: I you know my following just kept getting a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and like when they started opening the improvs in the 90s right like when they I remember I remember that and I remember looking I, I always look at it now and I go um comedy's in such a huge place right now mm-hmm. I go I I say it's never been bigger but I don't remember the boom but when I when I started doing the road the headliners were like David spade uh like it was like like legit, I was like, "Well, I'll never be a headliner. Who am I going to kick out of that list?" Mm. And then, but but but, you did your own following. And then when did you when did you do your set at Irvine? You remember you did a you did an album at Irvine or a record? Your first hour was at Irvine, maybe.
2: I I had a C. Um, was it a CD that was? I had at a Irvine? CD that came out. Well, both of them at the same place. So the first thing that came out was Brian Regan Live, which was a comedy CD. Yeah done by Uproar Productions. Um, and uh, I was just thrilled that anybody wanted to make a, a CD with me. And then I started getting fans from that. That was, like, very bizarre. Really? I mean, when I, I would be out on the road, and people would come up and go, hey, we, they show me the CD. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, you know? So, um and then I did a, a a video of another hour of comedy at when the improv moved over to the Spectrum. Yeah, and I did. Uh, I walked on the moon. I, I saw that one. That was my own. I, I did that one myself. I mean, I had people helping me, but like yeah. self produced, I guess you would call yeah. it. And um, that one, I got a lot of attention for that as well. But that's just my own thing. Like it's not available anywhere other than my, my web page, you know. Yeah. Um, and then you know it it got to where. I was filling comedy clubs, Thursday, two Friday, three Saturday, and a Sunday, and I was like, "Well, this is silly. Why not do a theater?" And I wanted to see if I could make the leap. You know,
0: this is gonna be a this is a question you do not have to answer, okay? But I'm always curious. At that time, were they doing door deals, percentages? Were you just getting a flat rate? Like, how how were you getting paid back then? at the comedy clubs went when you're selling tickets when you're selling out doing three Friday Saturday, two Thursday, two Friday, one Sunday are you well, getting flat rates, percentages everybody everybody did it differently my my agents
2: it got to where they I don't want to sound cocky here but we knew that we were going to sell everything out cuz I cuz I was yeah and so they just made a flat deal yeah you know it's like you're going to make this a amount of money yeah. yeah you know and um and as long as I kept, you know, jamming the places that that worked for everybody, including the clubs.
0: You did know? you ever? Did you ever stress about uh, ticket sales? No, man. You and Bill Burr. I said to Bill Burr one time, "See, I get a, I get a sheet. I'm, I'm a little less stressed because my tours already sold out. But like, but I'm I a- saw your, uh,
2: <laughs> I saw your calendar. Oh, and it says sold out, sold out, sold out." You're doing fine,
0: Bert. I know, no, but <clears throat> these last. <laughs> You're two, doing pretty good. Uh, this this year's good. This year's really good. Thank you, Netflix. But the two three years before that, I've been selling tickets. But I would get an, a ticket count at the, at the beginning. You know, just a updated ticket count once a day. They'd send me ticket sales, ticket sales, and I said to Bill Burr, I said, "Man, do you ever look at their updated ticket counts and like just stress?" And he goes, "Bert, they all sell out. I go." What? He goes, "What?" He goes, "And if they don't, who gives a fuck? What's what's hundred tickets?" You, let go, let it go. Because I was getting obsessive and compulsive mm. about it, and then when these tickets went on sale for this tour, and the first, all the first shows sold out. I went, oh, I think I know what he's saying. Like it's like, I was like, okay. And then they're like, you want to add second shows? And I had no attachment to the second shows. I was like, yes, I do want to add. I'll do. I definitely will do second shows. But and then they're they're like, you know, oh, this, we need to help move some tickets in Tampa on the Thursday show. And I'm like, okay. But it was the stress wasn't there. Mm. So when did you make the leap to theaters? What do you remember the year? Uh, and were you married? And were you having kids yet?
2: Yeah, I was married at the time.
0: Um, Living in Vegas yet? No.
2: I do. Probably It was around that time because I've been doing theaters. I've been in Vegas fifteen years. I forget if I had already moved there or not. So where were but you It was about twelve Vegas? years ago when I started doing theaters.
0: Were you in New York when before then?
2: No, I moved from New York to LA. L.A. I was in L.A. for a number of years and then moved 15 years ago from L.A. to Vegas. And it was about 12 to 15 years ago that I started doing theaters. And what we wanted to do is pick a city that I knew I did really well in the comedy club and where I also had a lot of media connections, you know, like a lot of radio that I had done in the past for the comedy club. So We picked St. Louis. We picked... Uh, I think it's called the Pageant Theater. Twelve is it pageant? Like 1,200 seater. I'm doing the pageant. And uh so that was gonna be my first theater. So I went there and I did like every radio show, you know, promo and the heck out of it. And th- this I did stress about the numbers then because yeah. like, is this gonna work or not? Yeah. And then and I would check the numbers every day, and it got close, and then it's like like it never quite sold out. Like it was like, we were like at 85%, 87%, 88%. And then I realized a couple years later, a tour manager said 85% is sold out because you have individual seats that people don't want to buy. He goes, once you hit 85%, consider that sold out. And so I'm like, Shh, I wish somebody had told me that for my first yeah. theater ever. So I got have felt like I sold this out, you know? But anyway, I remember pulling up that night and seeing people walking up and in line for this show. And my name is on the marquee, and it was crazy. You know, and I'm like, in a comedy club, you can always go, well, maybe they just want to go see a comedy show. Yeah. They might know me, they might not know me, but I'm like, nobody is coming to this theater unless they're there to see me. And then I did the show, and it went really well, and it was just, uh, and, I, and I just realized this is... I have to do this from now on. Theaters.
0: Yeah. are out of the clubs. I'm, I, this is the this is where I excel. Mhm. <clears throat> That's really interesting. I my epiphany when when you're talking about the 85% um, I did uh, I did a, a gig for Live Nation and uh, uh, it was like last year they just they, we were talking about doing theaters and they were like, "Hey, why don't you come do our we have a like a Christmas party or something or awards an awards banquet banquet." And I I hit it off with everyone really well. And I was like, in my head, this sounds really crazy, but in my head, I was like trying to sell myself to them, you know, mm-hmm. like a little bit. Like I wanted them to, I wanted them to want to work with me. And then, um, and then, you know, and then obviously you do, you do a tour, you split some days, some goes to some, some goes to some. And so then I did the Cobs you know, the Cobs the other the weekend, and and I'd already done my tour, my tour already went on sale, and some Live Nation gigs were on there, and I'd sold them out. And then I hung and a bunch of lab Nation people showed up to party with me at Cobbs. And I was like, I was like, cool. And they were like, yeah, man, how great is that? And then in my head, I realized it doesn't matter if I sold myself to them or didn't sell myself to them. If I couldn't sell tickets, and then I was like, I sold tickets. I don't think they really give a fuck if I can do stand up at all. (laughs) Like if I'm swallowing swords, they're like, as long as you're moving tickets. And I was like, and it was like a weird thing of like all these times in this business have I fought to sell myself to people. When it's what you do on stage that sells, that there's, you know, it's like that. The conversation's over. Yeah. Now, well, um, the thing I can't get over, you once again, anything you don't want to talk about, and if we talk about it, and you don't want it in, just let me know. And we'll talk about it. But um, good. I can't imagine anyone that would ever want to divorce Brian Regan. <laughs> well,
2: uh, there have been nine. I've been married nine times. So nine. You have not been married nine, nine times. <laughs> there's nine women out there <laughs> who disagree with you. Dude, I've not been married nine times. <laughs> I married twice have you been married twice yeah really yeah but uh but yeah.
0: t- t- don't you just i mean like i
2: assume you just giggle all day wouldn't you want to divorce somebody who did nothing but giggle all day <laughs> <laughs> that'd be like a madman
0: <laughs> uh, my wife today my buddy needed a nickname he's got a, got a new job and there's two erics and he's hit me up i was at shopping with my wife and he goes i need a nickname or they're gonna give me one, right? And so he goes, "Can you use any nicknames, Brian? All I did all day was write <laughs> nicknames down. I mean, all day. This is I. These are the nicknames I sent him, and I've and I ha, I ignored my wife entirely. That's so great. Just si- thinking to myself of nicknames. <laughs> these are the ones I sent him. Uh, uh, the Carmel Fox. <laughs> Joke, but I I was laughing at the idea of him pitching them to his office. Johnny Sausages, <laughs> the Merchant of Death, Fang, Decaf, Lucia's Left Foot, Sugar, Kokomo, Ice Pick Willie, <laughs> Stinky Pete. I couldn't stop laughing. Roadkill. This is the one that killed oh, man. me. Cobra. <laughs> Hey guys, he's a lawyer, by the way. <laughs> Call me Cobra. It's, it's Eric, <laughs> thickness, white cold? toast the solution. <laughs> thinking, I've been just googling nicknames all oh, day, nice. and just thinking of just thinking anything I see, I just write down a nickname. <laughs> Those are <clears throat> terrific. Oh, how was how how's. Well, and we'll get we'll wrap this up. I know I know you guys do have a little bit of a schedule, but um and I don't want to keep you here forever. You've been so kind. I'm, I'm I want good, to ta- I want to I do want to mention we'll have mentioned it already, but your your thing uh, on Netflix came out New Year's Eve, Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve. So we'll release this right after that, so that people can find it and go directly to it. Okay, as, as opposed to before, because it doesn't really work before. You got to do it once it's airing, once it's streaming. But um, what was it like being a dad? and choosing what to talk about and what not to talk about about your family on stage because I think I've, I think I've fucked that up a little bit. <laughs> uh,
2: I had a joke about my son uh, when he was young a- and um, you know those um, baby monitor things? Yeah. So we had a, a monitor in his room and we, we had it in his room longer than he <laughs> needed one but he was upstairs and we were downstairs and I was downstairs with my wife at the time and I hear through the monitor, my son go, Daddy, I have a joke for your career. <laughs> and I'm like, what the? <laughs> so, <laughs> I do not even know, like, how does he know the word career? So I ran up to his room, and he was in his bed, and I'm like, what's going on? He goes, I have a joke for your career. And I'm like, okay, what's that? He goes, how come, Dinosaurs don't talk. And I'm like, gee, I don't, I don't know. I wanted to be like the perfect straight man to my son. Yeah. I said, I don't know, how come dinosaurs don't talk? And he goes, because they're all dead. <laughs> and I laughed. I was like, damn, <laughs> that's funny. He goes, thanks, you can use that for your career. And then he put a blanket over him and went to bed and I was like, damn. So I did that in my act, You know, I did the, that story Yeah, Um, And then I had like one thing about my daughter, you know, sitting next to me on while I'm watching TV and saying, put on something appropriate for me. Um, But after that, what was the punchline? I was watching basketball and she, she wanted to put on Dora the Explorer. Yeah. And and then I had a whole other joke about Dora the Explorer, but, um, but I, I asked them one time, I said, are you guys cool with me chatting about you? Yeah. And they were kinda like they they said, ah, it's okay, you know, but I could tell that um they weren't big on it, you know? And I I I never did it again. Like I refer to having kids. Yeah. But I don't, don't know, get specific Oh, no, Jesus Christ. I don't get specific
0: about things that they do. Dude. If you want to watch a fucking guy flamethrow his family <laughs> <laughs> Well, check, Seinfeld was talking about secret time, <laughs>
2: saying that you know a family like everybody should realize you're all part of the act. You know, this oh. is a family business. That was his attitude, or he just said this the other day.
0: But um, you
2: know, I, there's nothing. So you you chat about your I kids. Talk.
0: I, I mean, I literally, when I get into my kid, my kids chunk. I'm like, my kids are dumb as fuck, and literally <laughs> just, they, but they are. I mean, they're they're they're. But you know, in in all honesty, they're very interesting children. Uh, They're very different. Georgia is a little more high strung, and Isla is a fucking lunatic, like like a legit lunatic. And um, and the things she says are so like literally, pull out, pull out, and don't even touch, and put them on stage. I'm not, I'm I'm, telling you a story. This is a bit. I'm telling you a true story. To, this is in my act, in my special. Mm-hmm. I'm this. I'm not. Not one word's changed in this from what happened to what I told on stage. She I went to her softball practice, obvious LA. So the coach is practicing without a ball, like he's got them all in position. Mm-hmm. But he's like, you know, I guess in his head it's like, if you include the ball, then they're never gonna learn how to find out where the play is because it'll take too much. Okay. So he's like, all right, ladies, runners on first and second. Ground ball to Lily, and like Lily Fompkin fields it at third base pretend those are the second she catches it pretend those are the first and he's like triple play girls triple play interesting right yeah so, it's a way to coach my daughter isla's at center field he's like base is loaded fly ball to isla and my daughter i'm not joking looks up over her head and starts running like it flew over her fucking head <laughs> and i'm like i'm just like i'm laughing so hard and all the other parents are like, "Oh my god!" And then she just throws her glove in the air, like "fuck it," and just walks away. And, and, and I call my wife. I go, "You're never gonna believe what your moron daughter just did." And my wife's like, "Do not make fun of her." And so we, I come up to, I don't make fun of her. I go, "Hey, baby," and then I go, "So, um, what happened with that fly ball?" And she just looks at me, dead serious, and goes, "Coach really got a hold of that one." <laughs> That is that child, <laughs> and she has always been that child who, like, just really bizarre brain will wake me up in the middle of the night and go, "In the middle of the night, do you believe in time travel?" And you're like, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> Hang on, my friend's calling. Hey, sandy I'm in the middle of a podcast. Should I leave because I have to be somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll meet you at your house. Okay, cause Eric wants to meet. Uh, okay, I'll call. I'll call you later. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I'll call. I'll call you later. I'm in the middle of a podcast. So can you, can, uh can I? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say it reminds me. I you know Don Ho, the Hawaiian singer. Yeah, he he would do shows in Hawaii, and I was there with the my wife at the time, and we went to go see Don Ho. He had a telephone on his piano, and I'm like, why would you have a telephone on a piano? It's just when you just took the call. Yeah, and, and I'm like, it's got to be like a part of the act. There's got to be some sketch or something to do with the telephone, and he was in the middle of a song. Um, And it was like an instrumental part where he's just playing the piano and he picks up the phone and off mic, just chats with some people (laughs) in the middle of a concert and then just hung up and then went back to playing the song. I'm like, that wasn't even a gag. He's just (laughs) taking phone calls. (laughs) He's taking phone calls during his musical concert.
0: Have you seen a lot of shows in Vegas, living in Vegas? Do you go out and watch comedy or watch anything? Uh, Norm MacDonald came through recently.
2: I'm a huge fan of his and went yeah. and watched him perform and just sat in the back and was like, man, this guy's brilliant. Um, I've watched Ray Romano perform. Uh, uh, Terry Fader, you know? The, yeah. a, he and I have developed a friendship. I've seen his show a couple of times. When Ray was performing... Uh, he was working with John Man- Manfredi, who I mentioned earlier, and after the show, they do a Q and A, and I had said hello to them before the show, so I'm in the audience. They turn all the house lights on, and during the Q and A, I see them look over at me and whisper to each other, "Should we? Should we?" And then they both nodded yes, and so Ray goes, "Ladies and gentlemen, I have a friend in the audience," um, and so I'm like, "Oh, this is weird." And he goes, uh, "You know, I- I-, I, I, I want him to stand up." I think a lot of you probably know who I'm talking about here. Would you please stand up? Everybody, a nice big round of applause. So I start standing up and he goes, Mr. Neil (laughs) Sedaka. Neil Sedaka is sitting right next to me. And I'm halfway up. (laughs) So I have to turn while Neil Sedaka stands up and pretend like I'm giving him a standing ovation. (laughs) And I'm like, yay! Yay, come on everybody! Neil <laughs> That's what
0: you look like. Neil Saraka. <laughs> oh. And then
2: I and then I gotta like squirm back down in my chair. I'm like,
0: what the hell just happened? Oh, who's the most famous person that's been in one of your shows that come a, a backstage where you're like, what? Shut up, you're a fan. Oh
2: gosh, um, from Monty Python. I'm blanking on his name. Cleese or Cleese? John Cleese. John Cleese. Um, I don't think. He, he had heard about me or something like that and came to my show. Talk about... Normally, I'm not self-conscious during a show, but no matter who's in the audience, I just do my thing. Yeah. But you're going, John Cleese. <laughs> Dude. A legend of comedy is Legit. watching me. You know? And he came back after the show and had nice things to say. And uh, it was crazy. Like, like, like I didn't even know how... You feel like a little kid, like you don't even know how to talk to somebody like that. Yeah. Um, and he asked me if I, improv a lot in my show, and I said, well, you know, I said a lot of it is structured, but I do like to play around in between the cracks, you know. And and he was telling me how he liked it word for word when he was shooting, and and the whole time he's talking, I'm like, I'm talking comedy with John
0: Cleese. Yeah. So uh, that was pretty cool. Nice. And so now the special you're doing is is I talked to you about it last night, but every time you explained it, I was in the middle of trying to cook sugar, so I never listened. <laughs> Literally, I got done. They're like, you never even listened when he told you the second time, did you? I go, no, because I had to take the temperature of sugar the entire time.
2: But the it's called Stand Up and Away with Brian Regan. Yeah, Jerry Seinfeld is executive producer. He said that he wanted to spearhead me having a show. It was an idea that I had had for a while. It's me doing st- my older bits that a lot of people know, like you were saying, you know, some people know some of my stuff. So I'm doing older bits of mine um, as stand-up, and then I segue into sketches that come out of those. But the sketches are not stand-up bits done to sketch. It's like completely standalone things, and uh, and I shot it in front of my fans, four episode series, and I'm happy with it.
0: Nice. And then are you are you gonna do are you gonna do another special like a, a- I'm supposed to be doing another
2: hour stand-up special. Um, it just got punted because of this thing coming out. Yeah, it was gonna. We were gonna do it this coming year, but they want it to be the following year now.
0: Yeah, so. that's
2: great. And so do you have that material already written? I'm I'm in the process right now of turning
0: over from the last one and you know replacing it with new stuff. How do you uh, I love that process? I love I love writing more than anything. Yeah, it's my favorite thing to do when you just. All day long, all your, your just brains wide open. I hate the whittling down of going like, cause I don't really know what a good bit is. I told Greg Fitzsimmons, I said, I said, I wish you could just come in and watch my hour and go, go. And that's not a good bit. And then this one's really, good. I'd focus on this and get rid of this shit. That's a little hacky. And then he told me, he goes, no, that's how we decide if you're a good comic or not is which bits you decide to tell us. And I went, right. oh yeah, I guess it is my job. <laughs> You want know, to sit down at a table, so what should I do? <laughs> <laughs> how do you come about writing a joke now, like where you are right now? I don't, you know, what's weird is like, I don't know how that works. I,
2: I don't know how ideas for jokes happen. I don't try to do it anymore. I, I can't, you know, some people say, well, you sit down on a blank piece of paper at a computer and you just write. I've tried that. Nothing comes out of me. Yeah. That don't work for me at all. I just go through my day the way I would normally go through a day. And every once in a while, something jumps up and down. You know, uh, you'll see something, you'll hear something, you'll experience something. And you go, hey, that's kind of goofy or weird or uh, there might be something there. And then once I have the idea, then I will like, you know, put words around it, you know, and go, all right, here's a beginning, middle, and an end. And I'll try it on stage, but I tape every show. And I find, for me, a lot of the best writing takes place on stage.
0: For me, too. I feel like you kind of, sometimes I feel like you you put yourself in a pressure situation to to write. It's like you corner yourself into funny.
2: Yes. I, I think with a piece of paper and a pen or at a keyboard, at least for me, I tend to get too cutesy and clever. Yeah, A lot of... Oh, look at all this clever stuff coming out of me. Yeah. But clever does not always equal funny, you know? And like, so you find yourself writing more than is necessary for the bit to work. And when you're on stage, there's something in the back of your brain that heat of the moment forces you to cut to the quick. It's like, quit saying all that crap you wrote (laughs) and say this now. Yeah. And you get right at the meat, right at the funny, and you go, Okay, that was it. Yeah. And then I'm glad that I taped and I can go listen to it, you know?
0: My th- my problem is that I do that and then sometimes on stage I'll get to the thing and I'll I'll do the line that just is the band aid to get to the next where like the first funniest thing I think of, and then my job when I get ready for an hour is to go through of all the lazy writing I've done and then do good writing. Mm. Like I like to it's almost like a. I write the song but I kind of hum parts of it and then does that make sense like yeah. like it's always dirty for me like I would, like I had a joke about me jumping out of a plane with Rachel Ray and the guys like all right we're jumping in the count of 3 and there's three jo- jokes right there right like uh where he goes one and I say something I'm not ready to go or whatever uh-huh. two da 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 3 and my first instinct is suck my dick fuck you kiss my ass eat my ass like dirty dirty funny laughs right and then the other, then when I get ready for a special I go okay because I I've been sitting in the guy's lap and he's like what are you so afraid of and I was like I don't know you'll get hard I'll get hard we'll both get hard that's how we'll die and if they find us in the woods you on top of me both of us hard and so then he goes get to the door and he goes all right we're gonna jump in one I go my dick's not hard yet <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so it's like I so like I gotta but I gotta do the band aid writing first and then do the. What's the what what's the area where you're like I've covered that enough. Am I going to go back there again? Cuz I feel like sometimes I have bits where I go another one of those, Hubert. Like,
2: yeah, I when I feel like I'm starting to get defined a certain way, mm-hmm. Um I write away from that because I don't want to be I don't ever want to become a caricature of myself. <laughs> You know what I mean? You don't want to be like, oh, you're the guy that does this. Yeah. And for a while, you know, I had the uh, feeling stupid fantasies. You know, you too, take luck. And um, which is true, you know, me feeling awkward in life and and doing and feeling. You
0: too, take luck.
2: Yeah. Um, But then I started, people would start saying, oh, you're the guy that always feels stupid. Yeah. And I was like, "All right, that's it. I ain't writing none of those for a while." And I immediately started writing anger fantasies, you know, about wanting to get back at people who are messing up in life and poking a stick at them. And and I'm like, "I, I need to be. I, I need to be double barrel. I can't. I can't be a one trick pony. You yeah. know, I don't want to be just a, a goof who feels uncomfortable. I need to balance this out." So I'm also a guy that will take a step in life and will take a stand in life. And I want that to be reflected through my comedy.
0: You were telling a story last night about your son watching you do stand-up. Yeah. And you got a, a little bit emotional, mm. but I, I I was in the middle of stirring. and <laughs> And... And you I, and your sugar and making. And you can't do anything when you're making sugar. This show is the most ill-conceived show ever. Hey, why don't we have a host that's completely distracted the entire time and have two comics on who but he is not listening to? Oh, but you were saying our that- host has his back to us. <laughs> 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 I back to you guys the whole show. <laughs> but you were talking about your son watching you to stand up and I didn't get to hear it. Uh, so what was that you said you were at an amphitheater? It was
2: uh an outdoor venue and um kind of thing where my son was able to get near a like a a thing in the back where I could see him. He, he didn't go there so I would see him. So I'm on stage doing my thing and I just happened to turn around to, you know, bottle of water on the uh, stool and I saw my son laughing at my stuff, like laughing harder than I'd seen him laugh and um, and it just brought such joy to my heart. I'm like, I I have a, a whole amphitheater filled with people and like, the thing I care about is that nine year old boy you know I'm like, damn, he's proud of his he's proud of his daddy, you know, so uh
0: it felt pretty good <clears throat>
2: mm.
0: is, are your, are your are your kids funny both very funny, really, very funny. Do you think your son will ever do
2: stand up he He wants no part of he's nineteen now and he wants to be a corporate lawyer. Really, um, but my daughter wants to be an actor, really? yeah, she likes the stage. they're both funny, yeah, but uh, you know that's what's interesting about people, kids they're all they're all different, they're all wired different, come from the same thing, but completely different people
0: would oh, you ever ever have another kid no yeah uh, okay. uh, well i'm you know
2: i'm I'm an elderly man now, I have an a a r p card
0: <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Oh, of course I do. My fantasy's my uh, my second family. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> you should get
2: it like a house down the road and I've get him t- a second I've family t- down here. I've a lot
0: here. of fucking plans, Brian. <laughs> you have no idea. I was waiting for my my wife said the other day. She goes, I told you last night about dude. I gotta be honest with you. I'm going to tell people because after you said that, you got, we were talking off camera last night about. Me wanting a bigger house because so I wanted my house, my daughters to have a big house. Once while we were all there, and you're like you, s- you said, I had a friend. Yes, you. I'll let you say it, but you said you had a friend. Who- I have a friend who
2: you know does well financially and had a big house all along with his wife and kids, and because he could afford it, and his kids are older now, and he goes uh, biggest regret of my life having a big house. He goes, if I had it to do over again, we'd have a small, tiny, little cozy house where you hear your kid in the other room and you hear your wife in the other room and you're a
0: family and you're all part of each other's lives. I came home last night Ah. and I was a little buzzed and I walked in and just everything was happening there. Ah. And I was like, I'll get emotional because I said to my wife, I was like, I, I think I might put that dream to bed. I go, go, I don't think I need the big house and everyone was fucking around and we're all breaking balls and George is doing homework at the kitchen table and Leanne's in the kitchen making hot chocolate mix and Isla's running around and I just was like oh this is what it's supposed to be like That's everyone sweet. on time and I was I was it was it's like sometimes you need to hear the thing before you can see it you know and I was like I got this morning I woke up and I heard everyone getting ready for school and I was like Wow, uh, this is the greatest, man. I, I, That's cool. I'm genuinely, genuinely, genuinely uh, grateful that I, I got to meet you and hang out with you these last couple days. Oh, thank I thank you, remember the, it, It's <clears throat> been, you are truly, and I think like, you know, I, there's very few of us in this business who this will ever be said of, but like a legitimate um, treasure of this business. Like, just someone who everyone everyone respects everyone respects your career the way you've done your career it's been very independent it's been very out of the box and it's been very it's your own thumbprint so many of us get tied into like like we'll, we'll do the clubs we'll do this we'll do that and and i got to get to say i this you've just done such you're such a trailblazer in this business that and above and beyond the way you run the business in it part of it your material is no one writes better than you. No one performs better than you. And I have you have no idea how this has just made my day these last two days to Man. hang out with you. Wow, Dude. I, I don't. I'm flabbergasted. That is very,
2: very, very kind words. It means the world to me that people like you who do what what I do for a living. You know, tip your hat that way. It it means the world to me. So thank you.
0: Dude, the two hardest times I've laughed is. Is the, the, the by the way I, I gotta tell you I went and I watched the Schimmel clip uh-huh. and then you do it better than he did <laughs> 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 I tried to listen to it I was like it's not as good as the way Brian did it cause it's your voice doing it it's your voice doing it We just hang on do you know what we're talking about will you just tell Halston so I can just laugh little well, more well, time?
2: well Tom had one and mine
0: was the bear you know, Wait, what What was the, what was the, what was what, do both, just do both of them. Would you? Well, the other
2: one, Tom Papa knows yeah, that yeah. one better than that? me, but <laughs> yep, the, was... mine was, uh, he said he took his daughter to the circus. Not my joke. <laughs> this is this is Robert Schimmel's yes. joke.
0: Yeah, this is Robert Schimmel's joke. This is
2: me telling Robert Schimmel's joke. So I took my, <laughs> I took my daughter to the circus as we're walking oh. out. She says, hey dad, how did they get the bear to ride the bicycle? And he goes, ah, how do you think they did it? they nailed his feet to the pedals and they beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: uh,
2: I love that it's like simple. Uh, they did it. they but, but not simple the as the a compliment. You know I mean? It's just yeah. so <laughs> simply Robert, worded. And
0: Robert Schimmel had a joke that I maybe... <laughs> his dad... His, him and his dad were looking at at uh, at, at plots of, of cemetery plots. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then they, they look at cemetery plots and then they go and they get a plot and then they go look at caskets. like is his mom die, baby. And he goes I can't even hear it. <laughs> I can't even hear the joke. <laughs> His brother <laughs> Shimmel's mom died and uh, and he's with his dad and they're looking at caskets and the guy goes, This casket sure costs <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm never going to make it as funny as it is in my head right now. <laughs> because this casket is $10,000. And his dad he goes, hey, and the guy goes, Do you have a problem with that? And he goes, well, <laughs> it's, I, it's more than I planned on throwing into a hole in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: uh, great. That's uh, so funny. <laughs> oh, Robert
0: Schimmel was so fucking funny. <laughs> oh, and I gotta be honest with you—that's you a great joke. Is the funniest premise just uh, you know a joke's good when the premise gets you <laughs> with you and you saying. Me and him thought, well, we can't tell him we're comics. Was, um, <laughs> oh, that is the funniest you guys get in an apartment. Oh, <laughs> uh, we write children's we books. We write children's Dude, books. Dude, I was dying laughing because I I'm, I'm thinking of all the occupations. <laughs> I'm thinking of nine different occupations. We're doctors. <laughs> okay. What kind of medicine do you practice? <laughs> we're doctors. <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh, Dude, was, this has been a pleasure, man. Oh, likewise. Man. Thank you so much. Congrats on the Netflix special. Thank you. Congrats on the upcoming one. And congrats on going to London for the first time. Right. Appreciate it. Yeah. What's L- that
2: Leicester square, February 2nd in London. First time performing in London.
0: Dude, if you are in, if you are British and you do, have never heard of Brian Regan and you're listening to this podcast, trust me, I, th- you're the only person I've ever heard buy tickets for fucking everyone in the family. That's the only, you're the only person in this business where they go, no, 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 no. 20 people in the family go to the fucking show. Like <laughs> the whole fucking family goes to the goddamn show. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So d- go bot- treat your entire family and fucking for Christmas. Buy them tickets in February to go see Brian Regan. You are, you are awesome, man. Thank you. Thank, for doing you. This.
2: thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Fuck wow. yeah.
0: Fun day.